Welcome to Your Security, a podcast on walking victimless in today's world. I'm your host, Gabriel Grimes, and in this podcast, I discuss how to stay alert and situationally aware, no matter where you are or where you go. Good afternoon, this is Gabriel, and this is April 10th. The last bit of April 10th, actually. It's been a busy day, and I'm just barely getting down here to the computer to record my thoughts, my podcast for my blessed uh, listeners. I do appreciate you calling in and listening to my podcast. It is episode 47, and it is day 25 of the COVID-19 response. Man, it's surprising me every time I come here and I look at the time, look at how many days ago have gone by, I am surprised that we are here. I There are moments where I feel like me talking into the microphone and recording my thoughts, recording an episode of my podcast for you is like some sort of strange sci-fi movie where this guy is in his basement and he's recording or he's sending out this shortwave message a radio message to someone you know are you alive is there anyone out there that's what i feel like sometimes just because we feel like or i feel like we're living in a twilight zone episode the episode of the covid19 that's right you know i was looking at some information about uh, the situation going on. And remember, I'm always considering what is it that I, as a security professional, would would do differently or would highlight in this situation. I like to use, um, you know, everyday things, uh, current events, to define and to teach what crisis management is, how to do? How to be a good uh, security manager, a corporate uh, security director, and how it would affect some tips and tricks on how it will affect your life and what you can take from this episode to be better, more safe, and more secure in your life. So. I'm looking at what's going on in this world, and I'm really the world is going bizarro world. And we look at our numbers for COVID, and you look at the numbers from the flu, and I believe, I think maybe even you're a little frustrated at what's going on because you already know that the average number of people that die in the United States from the flu. The regular flu is 60,000. And four days ago, um, Dr. Fauci came up with his new numbers, revised numbers, that that is exactly the number of people that are going to die from uh, COVID-19. 60,000 people. Well, you know, it's uh, I'm I'm wondering even if those numbers are even true because we're getting from the 2 million he had initially thought then to the 200,000 now we're at down to 60,000 what is it going to be at the end of this year at the end of this month i mean what is it what is he going to come down to who knows but what we can tell right now is uh, and i don't blame it on fauci I, I blame it on just everybody in the world responding in the way they are all the governments necessarily specifically they have frightened the world and that is disconcerting 
because now we're talking about a new type of culture. And when we're talking about a crisis management team, if the crisis management team, and, and let's consider an explosion on an oil and gas platform, if they say that it had something to do with, if the explosion had something to do with a specific seal or a ring or a valve, then anyone any platform with that valve would go under um, additional investigation, would go under additional inspection. <clears throat> well, and that's what we've done so far with COVID-19. Without proper knowledge, we've already determined that COVID-19 is the worst thing in the whole wide world. And we've sold it to the governments <clears throat> and the governments have sold it to the people. And what we're having now is that we are noticing that the people themselves, now it's the, the civilians, are concerned that COVID-19 will affect them, infect them, and kill them. When we already know that 80% of the people who are infected would not even know they're infected. So why the fear? Why the fear? And so you'll hear people will say, well, it's because there's not enough respirators and there's not enough beds. We have to flatten the curve. Yep, I see that, I, I hear that. And in fact, for some countries, that may be the fact, may be the case, may be the case. I know that Italy was having issues with their trying to find enough beds or enough respirators, but not in the States. The States is completely different. And I'm gonna highlight that in just a little bit. <coughs> but let me point out to you the level of fear that I am noticing around the world. Just yesterday, uh, an article came out of, of how panicked people were on a ferry. And it's, uh, it came off of the Mirror News, mirror.co.uk. It's, it's the uh, UK online uh, magazine. It says, panicked passengers jump off ferry after hearing some on board have coronavirus. Not that they confirmed it, <clears throat> just that there was a rumor on the boat, on the ferry, that uh, someone had coronavirus. They started jumping off the boat in fear. So the, the more there's, you're more likely to die from jumping off the ferry than getting, than getting coronavirus and dying of coronavirus. And yet, the fear of coronavirus was enough for people to jump off the boat. How do you like them apples? That's just... That's just ludicrous, uh, and that's what and that's what people are doing because of the fear, and I'm and I'm, it, it's it's just strange. And so then today I've heard something really interesting. So um, it was on uh, the Fox News, and it reads Washington's field hospital to be dismantled before treating a patient sent to states worst hit by the coronavirus. And so Washington, the state of Washington, uh, if you remember, uh, Seattle was one of the country's first hit with a large number of infected people. And then it moved quickly. The, the uh, dishonor moved quickly to New York, but initially it was Seattle. Well, in the fear of this, this immense infection, Washington created their own mobile hospital in a in an uh, an army 
I believe it was an army field. I'm not exactly sure exactly where it was, but it is it is a uh, it is in a field near Tacoma, and um, that no one no one went. It was already set up. Hundreds and hundreds of beds were there. 250 beds, uh, X-ray machines, uh, surgery facilities, intensive care units. Everything was ready for them. Guess how many people went? That's right. Zero. Zero people went to this this makeshift hospital. And it wasn't because no one could find it. It was because there were no one that needed to go. There was enough beds. There was enough respirators. There was enough everything. There was no overwhelming of the medical system. It was enough. So now what are they doing? So now, <clears throat> being up for almost a month, they decided, well, I guess they don't need us anymore. They're packing up and they're going to go somewhere where they are needed. But where is that? Who knows? Who knows where they really are needed? Maybe New York? I don't know. I've, I've noticed that even in New York, the number of beds available outnumber the number of, the, of uh, patients that need beds by a large amount. If you look online, you can go to the website, the COVID-19, the, the official health data.org. Um, this is called the IHME uh, website. That is the official, this is the official website for the United States. And um, if you look at there, you can tell in for New York, <coughs> the number of beds are well within the needed amount of beds for uh, for the, the, the cases. There, there's no fear. Our fears have been blown out of, out of proportion. So what does that mean for a crisis management team? What does that mean for you? I mean, it means, well, from us as, as humans in this situation caught up, we're individuals. We don't have the authority or nor the power to make major changes or to try to fix things. We just have to hold on. Um, the people who are making decisions have to take advantage of this situation and mold it, bring us back from the edge. They have to bring, they have to talk America back down off the edge of fear. You know, I was walking the other day and I saw so many people with gloves on, washing, dishwashing gloves on, um, masks on, uh, Shirts wrapped around their face, anything that they could because of the, the fear that something was going to be in the air and was going to attack them. In the air, outside, in the sun. So, I mean, it's just the level of fear is, 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 is palpable. It's just, it's, it's wrong. And then the, this is the funny thing. So we're talking about, you know, the virus and we're talking about, um, President Trump saying that we need to put together a committee on how to bring America back to work and, and America needs to get back to work. But what is the first stages? I started hearing today that the first stages were that people had to come to work, but with masks on. Uh, it, what What is that? the new law now it's gonna to have to be with masks on. You do realize and, I, and I'm talking to probably the the believers. You do realize that this virus is never going to go away. It's just part of life. Like Ebola is part of life. Like the flu, the regular flu is part of life. The cold is part of life. It's going to be around. In other words, people are going to get it every year. 
and there's going to be a shot probably next year. Uh, and we hope, knock on wood, that it works. We have no idea because there are times that the flu shot doesn't work and we're going to have the same numbers of people dying. But we're not going to be closing down the world because those people die. Anyway, the point is this. When a crisis management team has lost its control over the perception of its stakeholders, it needs to make a new narrative. You have to change something up. You have to wake the stakeholders up from their stupor. They've been lulled into their own perception of what is right and what is what is truth. And so the crisis management team has to do something to shake the stakeholders up. Now, this can be a reporting uh, change. They may change the frequency of reporting, maybe the length of reporting, how they're reporting. They may change the people who are actually doing the reporting. The, those people may change, and by doing so, it, it changes the cadence a little bit. It makes it fresh. Uh, it may be that uh, it's just the method. It was before it was phone calls and now it's it's emails or maybe it's in person. Something has to be done to change up the perception of the, um, the, the delivery of the information so that the stakeholders recognize that a change has happened. And in that change, the hope is the, the leadership of the crisis management team will take control and change the narrative. We're already seeing that with um, uh, Donald Trump and the way that uh, Vice President Pence is handling some of these, um, the updates. They're, they're changing their perception, they're changing the way they're doing their delivery, and that's good, but I would highly suggest, in my humbly, humble opinion, it has to be more drastic. The change has to be drastic, and then the information can be used to, to then um, change people's perception of what the truth really is. And lamentably, to completely fix this, there has to be a scapegoat. You can't just ease away from the edge right now. We have to point to someone that passed on the bad information. We have to point to either an organization or a person and make that person the villain. And, and I imagine that it may not be a person or organization who did it willingly, but it's one that allowed themselves to be used to pass on information that wasn't 100% vetted. Out of fear of doing the right thing and not hurting people, they made decisions that ultimately has crippled the world. Uh, what to do, what to do. Thankfully, I'm not the president. I, I, I love to. This is why I am who I am. I love to advise, give direction and understanding, and then let the crisis management team leader make the decision on how to do it and, and move forward. I'm just telling you what the perception is and how to get control once again in this situation. So on another note, how are you guys doing this fine Friday, good Friday? What have you done? What have you done differently? I can tell you that I went outside. I blew off the front patio and the driveway, blew off the back patio and and um, backyard. And I have been in 
a life and death struggle. This is melodramatic. A life and death struggle with a squirrel trying to eat my bird seed. That's right. Terrible. I, this bird, this mouse, this this tail, furry-tailed mouse, tree mouse. I'll call him a tree mouse. Keeps jumping up. And he's so creative in the way that he tries to get onto my birdseed feeder and eat the birdseed. So uh, I have pushed almost all of the lawn furniture away from the birdseed feeder, uh, the, the bird feeder, so that he can't jump up on it. And I think I may have found a way. I, I did. I think I got the combination just right. But who knows? I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. If my efforts have uh, truly baffled my little tree tree mouse, who knows? We'll see. <clears throat> Other than that, I rode ten thousand uh, meters today. That's ten kilometers. Holy mackerel! Ten. It took me fifty-four minutes. It's not pretty. It's not fast, but but it's a long, it's a long, <laughs> it's a long time. Thankfully, I have Netflix to keep me company. And of course, I'm thinking about what I'm going to be talking about today with you, my dearest friends online. Well, I hope you are doing well. You are eating healthy. And uh, oh, by the way, I did do the the um, stir fry video. I will put a link of it into the description. So just make sure you look into that. And if you like my videos, please give it a thumbs up, hit the bell button, and subscribe because, hey, I'm trying to get 1,000 subscribers at least. It's my first, my first level 1,000 subscribers. That would really help me a ton. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, everybody, you are security.